Uh, it's a question of methods. Everybody wants results, but nobody wants to do what they have to do to get them done. Man, ain't that the truth. Jeez. Everybody wants a quick fix. Everybody wants a hack. Everybody wants a shortcut. Damn. You know, there are a few very fortunate individuals who are born with that proverbial silver spoon in their mouth. And yeah, they may be able to get what they want out of life without working hard for it. But all the rest of us, to get what you want, you have to bust your ass. I don't care if it's losing weight. I don't care if it's gaining weight. If you're a dude and you want to bulk up, if it's a house, if it's a career, or if it's a movie. Man, you got to do the work. You got to bust your ass and make it happen. No one is going to hand it to you. Man, I busted my ass delivering freight, delivering packages, dealing with asshole drivers on a daily basis for decades. Oh, Clint Eastwood got me on my soapbox. This is a podcast about filmmaking. Let's go! Welcome back, everybody. Hope you all had a great week. Well, that clip you heard was Clint Eastwood as Dirty Harry Callahan in the movie Sudden Impact. Man, I've been reading that Clint hasn't been seen for a long time, so people are speculating that he's on his deathbed. (sighs) That's going to be a really sad day. You guys don't understand. Growing up, there was Clint Eastwood and there was Burt Reynolds. And Clint always put out a movie around Christmas time. And damn if I didn't look forward to that. Wow. Between him and Bert, they always juggled the number one and the number two favorite male movie star. And then they did a movie together called City Heat that was absolutely horrible. (laughs) Uh, I'm just here to tell the truth. Ah, Had to pop open that silver bullet so we can get this episode going. Ah, I am a low-maintenance kind of guy. Give me an old Chevy truck and a cold Coors Light, and I'm good to go. (laughs) So uh, we're still talking about putting the budget together, and uh, there's some miscellaneous things that we can talk about that some of you might not think about, and then others that are on the ball are way ahead of me, and you've been thinking about it. Let's uh, go back to locations, since locations was one of the first things we talked about. When you get your script done, and it's locked, and the decision has been made that you are going to make this movie, you need to find your locations. And hopefully, you thought about locations that you have access to while you are writing the script, so there won't be any problem with that, because you've already thought about the locations, and you have access to them. So, easy breezy, right? But if you didn't do that, then you're going to have to look for your locations. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is what they call a location scout. The thing about going to a location is you've, you've got to be considerate of whoever owns the property because you don't want them to kick you off the property or have you escorted off the property by the popo if you're an asshole, if you're rude, if you do things that you weren't supposed to do per the contract. 
when you go to a location and the location owner agrees to let you shoot there, you got to come up with a contract and everything that you're going to do there should be in that contract. So the owner has no surprises. And we'll talk about contracts down the road because everyone has to have a contract. Every single person who works on your movie has got to sign a contract for legal purposes to cover your ass and also for the big D word, distribution. A distribution company does not want to be sued, does not want to be liable for anything. So when they acquire your movie, they're going to want to make sure that everybody who worked on that movie signed a contract. And in the contract, it'll say, you know, this movie's going to be eligible for distribution worldwide. And I'm okay with that. Put your John Hancock right here. Talent and crew. Yeah, we'll get to that. But anyway, so the bottom line is you have to be considerate of your owners. Now, the short that I was in called Lines that I talked about, we were in a antique slash furniture store and it was late at night. I, I didn't see the owners. I have no idea who owned that place. But where we shot, the hike, the owners were home and there all the time. Now, of course, if you have exteriors, you know, you're going to have to get a permit, not less if you want to go gorilla. And if you go gorilla, that's fine, but you have to be inconspicuous. Now, if you're shooting a movie for YouTube using your phone and a shotgun mic, you can be inconspicuous. No one will probably even notice that you're shooting a movie. But we had a crew of like 15 people. So if you're going to do a real feature film that you want to take to fests and you want distribution for, you're going to have a decent sized crew. And if you're going to shoot exteriors in the city limits of wherever, you're going to need a permit. Because once again, Popo can shut you down. Let's say you have a location and the owners are there. What are you going to do about lunchtime or dinner time or breakfast? Where are people going to sit when they eat? Where are you going to set up? If you have a big crew, that's a lot of people. Now, you can't have a crew of 15 people eating on the front porch of a location or the back deck or in the driveway. I mean, you got to think about this stuff. You got to put yourself in the shoes of the owner. You know, logistically, figure that out before you start shooting. Just think about all this stuff when you're scouting and looking at potential locations. You know, where are you going to set up craft service? Do you have access to running water for everybody to wash their hands before and after? Do you have access to a bathroom? Do you have to rent a porta potty? Do you have access to electricity? You're going to have to have access to electricity because anything that runs on a battery is going to need recharged. So we were shooting with the Aerie Alexa and we had to replace the battery every few hours. So we had a ton of camera batteries and there was one on charge at all times. So that's another thing. If you pay the location owner, you're going to have to let them know up front you're going to need to use electricity and water. That costs money for the owner. So the owner's going to push that cost on to you, right? It's only fair. You use electricity, you use water, you pay for it. So this is all in the negotiation and it's all going to be in the contract. Now for our movie, I explained this to you, but I'll, I'll briefly circle back to it. It was a huge expanse of, of land. They had like 90 acres in the mountains. And in the middle of this expanse set their house. So north, south, east, west all gave me a different look, which is why this location was perfect. Okay, back to the house. There was plenty of room to park. Luckily enough for us, they had a working outhouse. Now they had a bathroom inside the house, 
but they also had a working outhouse with plumbing. So it wasn't the old outhouse where you just pee or poop into a pit. This was plumbed, went into a septic system, had a toilet that flushed and that kind of thing. Not like a porta potty. So we were allowed to use that. And just outside the outhouse was running water. There was a big tub where you could wash your hands. I mean, this location was just perfect. Now, they had a front porch. Now, I'm sorry, but, you know, 15 to 20 people, depending upon how many actors we had, how many crew we had, how many makeup artists we had per day, it was 15 to 20 people a day. Now, keep in mind, the owners uh, were a couple in their 40s, and they were home. They both worked from home, and they asked us to try our best to be considerate of their workday. So there was no way 15 to 20 people were going to go up on their porch and drink their coffee and eat their donuts in the morning and then eat their catered lunch in the afternoon. That wasn't going to happen. Could you imagine being at home trying to work and you got 15 to 20 people just a few feet away making noise, laughing, joking, whatever. No, that wasn't going to work. I had to figure something out away from the house. What they did when they built the house was they cleared out a big space. So really close to the house, there were no trees. And in the front of the house, there was one single tree they left and they put like a rock border around the bottom of it. But it wasn't a fully grown mature tree. What I'm saying is it didn't provide a a lot of shade. And, you know, you don't need the sun beating down on you all day long. So I need to also find an escape from the sun. So what we ended up doing was I had to buy these canopy tents. So you can find them at sporting goods stores. These canopy tents that you can take to a park with you if you're going to set up for a party. The bigger ones you can take to the park with you. The smaller ones you can take to the beach with you, but I got the bigger ones and I think I got three of them. And we just set them up far away from the house. So we were able to park away from the house and then we set these tents up away from the house. I bought buckets and I put cement in buckets and I put the buckets on the feet of the tent supports. So I made anchors for the tents so they wouldn't blow away. So then it's like, damn, now we need chairs and tables. So I called a party rental place and I got three big tables and a bunch of chairs put underneath the tents. So problem solved. We were far away from the owners. We didn't disturb them. They could work. We had a bathroom outside the house, the little outhouse. We had running water. We were lucky enough to also have electricity. Now, they had solar panels, but their, uh, I guess their main inverter or whatever, had a place that you could plug into and it would give you power. So we basically ran an extension cord from their solar panels and we could plug in the coffee maker in the morning. So we had fresh coffee. That's another thing. You got to make sure you have a coffee pot, especially if you're going to have early morning call times because people got to have their coffee. So we lucked out. We, we only had one small problem because we, we plugged in to that extension cord when the coffee pot wasn't plugged in. We plugged in the chargers to all the various batteries, laptops, whatever. And uh, once or I think twice, the owners came out and said, we're using too much power, that they, they weren't generating the power that was being used by us and the owners inside doing work combined. So we had to uh, shut down the chargers and laptop for just a short amount of time. Now, you're probably saying, damn, Dave, you really lucked out on that location, didn't you? 
Well, that location was $500 a day. So you do the math. 18 days, $500 a day. (laughs) So yeah, it was a great location and the owners were amazing. And, you know, I served as location manager. So any problems they came to me as if I didn't have enough to do already, right? Duh. But hey, that's a way, you know, that's that's what you got to do, man. If you're not going to hire a location manager, then you will be the location manager. Had they not been home, possibly we would have hung out on the porch. Probably would have been an option that we would have taken advantage of. But see, what I'm telling you is you got you to gotta think ahead. So when you get to your location that you're hopefully only scouting at this point, figure this shit out before you show up on day one of production because that's too late. Uh, another thing we had to buy were batteries that you could recharge by plugging into uh, a wall. It wasn't as big as a car battery, but it was, I mean, you could carry it in your hands. And these little portable batteries were really sweet. They were kind of small, maybe, I don't know, seven by seven square, but it was really heavy, full of lead. Oh my God. What we did was we used these for when we were shooting at the actual location. So we set everything up. And like I had told you previously, we had a monitor for the script supervisor. You know, we, we needed AC power for that. So these little batteries would last about an hour and a half, maybe two hours if you shut off the monitor between takes. Uh, and then once that battery was drained, then it had to be recharged. So I bought like four of these. They came in really handy. But essentially, they were one and done. I mean, once you used a battery and it was drained, we couldn't use that battery again until tomorrow because we we couldn't charge it at our location. You know, we couldn't charge them along with everything else we were charging during the day because priority was camera batteries and a laptop that was grabbing the footage from the cards. So I took these portable batteries home with me every night and charged them overnight. And then we bought uh, inverters, so DC to AC power. What we would do was, if we needed more power, if the batteries were all drained and we, we weren't done with the day, we would drive a car to the location, get it out of the shot. You hook these DC to AC inverters up to the car battery. Then you could run an extension cord from the inverter to the monitor, and voila, you had power. So that's how we approached the power situation when we were away from the house at the actual location and we needed some juice. Small portable batteries, not car batteries, small portable batteries, and then inverters for car batteries, but we didn't take the battery out of the car. We left the battery in the car. You simply hook the inverter up to the battery while the car is running and then you can plug into it. And those were not cheap. The inverters were less than a hundred bucks each. And I got two of those, but those batteries were very expensive. I don't even know if they sell them anymore, but I got them at uh, B&H Photo in New York. They were sweet to have. I also had another expense at the location. This property, there was no pavement anywhere. Okay, the only pavement was the foundation the house was sitting on, (laughs) honestly. It was a dirt road to the house. It was like a circular driveway, but it wasn't a driveway. It was just a dirt road. So what I'm telling you is there was basically dirt everywhere. There was no pavement, no respite from the dirt and dust. Our editor, DIT guy, he needed to be based near the house by the uh, solar panels. And he took care of charging batteries and loading up the footage from the cards. 
Well, I realized early on that the location we were at was at the top of this mountain, haha, <laughs> hill, and it was always pretty windy. And if you watch the hike, you'll see there are some scenes where uh, Brooke's hair is blowing in the wind. We had quite breezy conditions for most of the 18 days. But thanks to our sound guy, who was awesome, we didn't have much ADR to do, but we'll get into ADR when we talk about post. So anyway, I digress. We were at a location where it was windy, the dirt road, dirt all around us, that equals dust. I had to get my editor into some kind of a contained area where he wouldn't get pummeled with wind and dust into his laptop. That would be a disaster. So I rented a pod. And if you see the commercials, a pod, it's just a big box. And typically they bring it to your house if you're going to move and you take your furniture out of your house, put it into the pod. Then a truck comes, picks up the pod, takes it to a storage location until you're ready to unload it. So that's all it was, was a big box with a door. So I rented one of those for 18 days as well. And it came in handy because we kept a lot of the equipment, props, costumes. We kept that in the pod overnight. And we were so far out in the sticks and we were on this couple's property. I didn't worry about theft or vandalism. I just knew that our editor sitting under a canopy was not going to be good enough. You know, I, I had to do what I had to do. And I rented that pod for 18 days. And he was a happy camper. Trust me. I guess we could talk about wardrobe for a brief moment here because wardrobe can potentially be very expensive. And since we're talking about putting together a budget, if you end up buying wardrobe for your actors, that's going to set you back quite a bit of money. The three projects that I have done, the two shorts and the feature film, we were asked to bring our own clothing to the set. On the feature film, I had two changes of clothing because there were two different time periods, so I couldn't wear the same thing twice. So you have to keep that in mind. How many change of, of clothes are you going to need for each character? How many days does your story take place? What is the time span of your story? So you can't have your characters wearing the same shit every day. Now, where this gets tricky is if you're going to have blood, if your characters are going to be rolling around in the dirt, running, being very active... So you don't want to have your actor bring their own clothing to the set and they end up getting it stained and ruined, ripped, torn, you know, whatever. Now for the hike, it all takes place within like a six to eight hour period. And we had blood and we had people rolling around in the dirt and we had clothing being ripped. So I had to buy multiple pieces of clothing. For Brooke, I got two blouses, two shorts. For Derek, I bought two t-shirts, two shorts, two hoodies. I bought hiking boots for both of them. We end up destroying one pair of hiking boots. That's part of the story. Just look ahead and keep that in mind. Because the last thing you want your actor to do is ruin clothing that they so graciously agreed to wear, and then they get all pissed off and they want paid back for it. So if there's any risk involved with their clothing, go ahead and buy their outfits. And as long as there's no action and as long as there, there's no risk to ripping or staining the clothing, then you're probably all right buying just one set of clothing for each character. But just to be on the safe side, I would buy two sets because you never know. Shit, lunchtime, somebody could spill something on their clothing and stain it. Somebody could rip something. You don't want to be on location and a character rips the clothing and then the whole production shuts down because you can't shoot them. Guess you'd have to shoot around them, go to other setups that don't include them, but then that that just throws a whammy into everything, all the momentum you had going. So I I preferred to have more clothing than less clothing. 
I hope that makes sense. Here's a little tidbit. If your actor is going to wear their own clothes or if you're going to buy them clothes, look at the color of their eyes and then buy a top that matches the color of their eyes. You know, it could be a t-shirt, a blouse, a dress shirt, whatever, male, female, doesn't matter. If they're bringing their own clothing, ask them if they have a piece of clothing that matches their eyes. And if you're going to buy the clothing, when you go out to buy the clothing, buy clothing that matches the color of their eyes. Because on screen, in a theater where the eyes are really big, that clothing will make those eyeballs pop. I shit you not. And the key to acting is in the eyes. The eyes are very important to an actor. So when the actor sees themselves on that screen with their eyes popping, they will be very grateful to you. Just a little tidbit from Uncle Dave to help you out on your filmmaking journey. (laughs) All right, let's wrap this bad boy up. If you take anything from this episode, realize that there are going to be a ton of miscellaneous expenses that can add up very quickly. You know, I just told you about our location and wardrobe for our actors. And that was a sizable chunk of change that I had to spend that at first thought you don't even realize. So just be prepared for that. All right. Hope you all have a great week. And please remember, be a lion, not a lamb. Later. Later.